You are listening to an audio from Redemption City Church. If you would like to explore more resources or donate to this ministry, go to www.visitredemptioncc.com. Hi guys, my name is Brandon, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption City Church, and you're just moments away of listening to a sermon exhortation from our ministry. Guys, we're about to get into the Word. That's legit. Like, wake up. You get to listen to the God of the universe in Scripture, the one who breathed life into the whole world. He speaks still in His Word, and you get to listen to it. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to do it underground like in so many different countries. It's free and totally available for anyone and everyone who has ears to hear. Now, I don't know about you, but that gets me pumped up, and I'm so stoked to see what God has for me today. I hope you are in that posture too. Let's go. Let's get ready to grow, and let's be like Jesus. God's Word, let's go. Holy Spirit, help me so. If you have your Bibles, and I really hope you do, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 2, in just a little bit. And today, I want to establish the, the wise aim of how we're going to move forward throughout the remainder of our, our Proverbs series, because it's it's honestly going to be a bit a bit different than we've done here before at RCC. Okay, so, so here it is. The Old Testament, you've heard this before, and the stories that often seem out outlandish and distant and totally removed from our culture today are altogether practical and relevant and infinitely, folks, they're infinitely important for our everyday lives as Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christians. And, and the book of Proverbs has specifically been revealed to us by God, and it's most definitely for God, in order that we might be better equipped at being wise, right, in our everyday dealings of life, so we could be better positioned to thrive now and in eternity. And, and Proverbs, folks, like unlike any other book of the Bible, is not directly about God's story or, or Christ's coming, but, but rather it invites us to learn how to actually live today in such a way that best positions us to live righteously and courageously in a complex world filled with complex decisions that we need to make, folks, every single day. And, and each and every week, we're going to have the great, there's going to be a great temptation for, for you and, and, and for me to make the, the deadly, the deadly exchange of using the wisdom from this book as a vehicle to simply live better and to love better and to last longer and to gain more as the end goal. Does that make sense? But but that can't be our Solomon-like end, folks. Instead, we are to activate our privileged position. We've learned that here at RCC as the people of God in the free and easy access to the Bible era, holding up the reality that it's possible. It truly is possible to gain all the wisdom in the world, but yet, folks, to be considered totally foolish totally foolish in the end, in, in God's eyes. Therefore, we need to study and we need to download the raw materials from this book, meaning we need to understand the knowledge and the wisdom that's contained in this book in, into our hearts. But, but more importantly, we will need the Holy Spirit to, to empower us, spirit-filled power, so that we might see the true wisdom from a kingdom perspective with eternal destinations and kingdom agendas, folks, as, as our end. Now, now last week in part one, title. 
Okay, now, now last sermon in part one of our Proverbs series titled Foundations and Proclamations, we had segment A of that conversation, and it was all about approaching folks, this book, with confidence. And we learned that our church has been around for just about three years now, and, and one way that I could kind of catch you up on what journey we've been on is to look at the story of what we've been doing and learning and studying in the Bible. So so last sermon, we talked about it all started with the DNA series, and right? And, and the DNA series was all about establishing our values that we would be known for and, and ultimately marked by. And, and that series was legit, and everything got really sweet for us as we became a local church. And, and for the DNA series, we went into our very first book series titled The Book of Ephesians. And, and in the book of Ephesians, we learned what it means to move out of our story into, into God's story, meaning we learned what it means to, to move out of a, a life where we're filled with sin and despair and shame and brokenness and a loss of our identity. And we learned what it means to radically move into God's story where wholeness and healing and forgiveness and reconciliation and ultimately joy, folks, can be ours. And, and we learned in the Ephesians series what it means to be armored up, right? To stand, to stand firm in our faith. And, and then from the book of Ephesians, we then went backpacking back to the Old Testament into the book of Jonah. And we learned that in the book of Jonah, we see that God's not an angry and a hostile God, but rather he's the God of second chances and 34th chances and 250,000 chances. So, so we learned that when God calls us to arise and to go and to call out to the Ninevehs that are in our lives, folks, we learned that we don't want to be like Jonah. No, folks, we want to be like, be like Jesus, Lord, and we want to imitate him, and we want to walk in step with those principles. And then from the book of Jonah, we turned our attention to the book of Philemon, and it was legit because that in that book series, we learned what happens when we as a family of God experience relational fractures and relational breaches. And so that, that book series was all about us learning what gospel reconciliation is all about as we cast our eyes towards eternity. And, and then from there, we turn to um, the next series, which is a current series that we're still in, and that's the redemption. Redemptive Christianity series. And, and this series is all about walking away from, or for some of us, walking towards for the very first time, a Christianity that is vastly true and deeply satisfying and ultimately one that actually saves, folks. Folks, this series is all about learning what it means to be with Jesus everywhere and all the time. It's about moving away from those heavy, disgusting, moral lenses of Christianity into those spirit-filled, redemptive lenses of Christianity. And, and we learned last sermon that it, it actually takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian and therefore a whole church. And, and so I said it last time, and I'm going to say it again, Unless something's changed, we still want to be whole Christians operating in a whole church. Therefore, we're, we're now turning to the book, the book of Proverbs. And, and this series is all about growing wiser in our everyday lives as we live with kingdom 
focuses. And, and we learned that the book of Proverbs is, is really not going to be directly about God's story or Christ's coming. Like, it doesn't work that way. But rather, we learned in, um, in the last sermon that the book of Proverbs invites you and me to learn how to actually live today in such a way that best positions you and me to, to live righteously and courageously in a complex world, folks, that's filled with complex decisions. And, and we learned that we won't necessarily be working and marching and tracking through the book of Proverbs verse upon verse and line upon line and precept upon precept and, and chapter by chapter. The book of Proverbs, is it's really unique and it doesn't work that way. But instead, we, we learned that we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs as actually a collection of writings that we're going to kind of break into these seven categories that I camped out on and I really explained them in the last sermon. And so um, for a quick review, we learned that the first section and the second section are written by Solomon, okay? So, so he's directly pinning them, and he's doing some crazy cool things. And then in the, the third section and the fourth section are written by, uh, are, are called the sayings of the wise, and, and one's considered a, the early sayings of the wise, and, and one's considered the, the later sayings of the wise. And, and really, we talked deeper about this, but, but really all that means is one had Solomon's direct handprints on, and the other one had Solomon's influence on that came about 200 years later. And then we learned that in the fifth collection of these writings, we, we had uh, the school of Hezekiah on the scene where all these writers are taking the 3,000 3, 3, 3, proverbs that Solomon actually wrote, and they were consolidating them and, 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 and putting them into a form that we could consume. And, and that's what happens in this collection of writings. And then in the sixth collection of these writings, we have excuse me, we have King Agor, right? And, and we talked about the main things that we're going to learn in, in that section of the writings is all about creation and, and divine power and our human ignorance. And then we learned that in the final collection, namely the seventh collection of writings that fits inside of this glorious book of Proverbs, we have King Lemuel as the, the main writer, right? And we, we talked about that it was actually his mother who was an oracle who was having these these encounters with the Lord, and, and, and then she's sharing them with her son who becomes king, and now he's writing them, and, and they become chapter 31 of the book of Proverbs. We, we learned last time that there are actually six books, right? So there's five of the books plus Proverbs that come together in this six-book collection that we call the wisdom literature. And that's, and that's Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job and Songs of Solomon and Lamentations. And we learned that within the wisdom literature, there's two categories that, that we want to kind of understand and to think through. And so, and so the, the, the first one was the didactic literature. And the word didactic we talked about just means the teaching literature. And, and that's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And then the, the second little subcategory of the wisdom literature is the devotional literature, right? The devotional literature, which is Psalms, Songs of Solomon, and Lamentations. And so we broke that down in, in part one. We also learned that the sole key, and I mean the sole key for understanding life, is that life will only, only, only make sense when the fear of the Lord and the reverence of God are the foundation for, the, for your entire idea 
of existence. We learn that life truly does start and end with, with God's purpose and, and that not just God's purpose and that really you and I can only begin to understand the world once we recognize that the world was set up and designed and is currently maintained, folks, by God. And we learn that a biblical truism is a Holy Spirit-breathed statement of truth that is largely obvious and it's and it's self-evident to us as believers. And we learn that biblical truisms are, are spoken as divine reminders, right? They're not revelations, but they're divine reminders of important aspects of God's heart. And, and, and ultimately, God's standards for our lives. And, and we learned that the order of importance, right? This is so important. We learned that the order of importance never begins and it never ends with knowing who wrote something down in the Bible. And that was really important for us, right? In part one, when we're seeing all these different writers on the scene in the book of Proverbs. And so it, it never starts with that. But instead, the order of importance always begins and ends with radical assurance of knowing who the actual author is of the book of Proverbs, therefore the whole Bible. And that's the Holy Spirit, folks. And we learned last time that the last verses of the book of Proverbs, specifically chapter 31, verses 11 through 31, and then the first mini part of the book, which is chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, are actually the prologue and the epilogue to this book we call Proverbs. And so really, the, the actual book of Proverbs is, is not verse 1 of chapter 1 or the end of chapter 31. It's what's inside the middle. But what we're studying right now and what we're about to turn our attention to and our affections to in just a moment for part 2 is the prologue folks. It's the prologue to this book. And, and we learned that the, um, the, pro, excuse me, the proverbian method of communication is going to be a conduit that we're going to learn very soon that's going to help us to be eager, eager Christians that can learn how to hear Jesus speak to them in coherent and fruitful ways. And we learned that the proverbian method of communication is going to be something that we use um, as, a methodolo- as, a, as a methodology to, to not, re- not to to replace talking to Jesus and not to be talking with Jesus, but to be a conduit, folks, that help us to orientate our minds and to orientate our hearts so that we can be near him. Therefore, we can hear him hear him speak to us. And, and finally, we learn that, that the proverbial method of communication is, is never, ever, ever claiming to be a replacement for just opening your Bible and, and reading your Bible and praying um, uh, 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 through your Bible and to get on your knees and to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate the text. Instead, the proverbial method of communication is just a, simply a tool and a supplement, folks, to go along with that one-on-one, intimate, confident journey that God has set before you as a believer. And, and that brings us to today, and I'm so excited and pumped to part two of our Proverbs series titled Foundations and Proclamations. And we're going to be having segment B of that conversation, and it's all about knowledge, wisdom, and our part in it. in it. And today we're going to be glorifying God as we continue building out this glorious book's purpose, folks, and its intentions for us to activate in our lives. So, so let's jump right into our focus passage today because it's going to be legit. It's the perfect word of God and it's, and it's available to us and it's ready to be heard right now as we get ready to see it. So let's do that right now. It's on 
your screen. Okay, so the word of the Lord says, the Proverbs of Solomon and the, and the other men and the wise men, the wise counsel, okay, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. What does that mean? What, what's the difference? To, to understand words of insight. Ooh, I want to get into that. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Okay, we got four things going on in the text. We're going to learn about that. Verse four, to give prudence, weird word, to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youth. Verse five, let the wise hear and increase in learning, an expectation for the mature believer. Hmm. And, and the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and they're riddles. Okay, now now in most of our Bibles, um, they're right before verse one of chapter one. There's a heading up there. Do you do you see what it says? And, and in most of your Bibles, it's going to say the beginning of knowledge. Do you see that in your physical in your physical Bible? And and that because that's such an important reality for us to focus our heads and our hearts on just for a moment. Because right from the beginning, Solomon wants you and me to know that what we're going to discuss today is not. And I repeat, it's not going to give us all the answers that we're looking for. Instead, he wants the next five verses or declarations that he's going to kind of preach out to these, honestly, these, these boys, these school-age boys that he's primarily talking to, and then now we're, he's talking to us, are going to serve as a roadmap to a very particular end. And that's going to be important. And this end isn't that the young men sitting before him or or you and I proverbially sitting before him would be wise as the end point, but rather it's for us to be aimed towards being the people of God who can have a robust understanding of the of the path towards wisdom, the, the purpose for wisdom, and attached with a mighty purpose for that wisdom. Okay, okay. So in other words, Solomon's primary interest here isn't about the ends of wisdom, but it's about the means, the means of the wisdom. Are are you tracking? Are you tracking with me? Okay, so so let me say it to you a different way, just to make sure you're you are understanding your your track with me, because I want you to stay with this kind of theological flow and what he's trying to do as we march forward. So so listen, Solomon's primary interest isn't simply equipping people to obtain knowledge, but but instead his primary interest in in God, in Christ, is establishing how one acquires knowledge, okay? And how one leverages it in their life. So it's not wisdom abstract in and of itself. It's wisdom activated. Okay. So let's let's unpack Solomon for a second, folks. Solomon was not only king, but he was considered the wisest man who ever lived. But here's what else is true. And I keep I keep wanting to juxtapose these. Solomon also ended as being considered one of the most foolish men who ever lived. Okay, here's why. Despite the fact that God, that God gifted him with unsurpassed and unmatched wisdom, Solomon squandered it all away by disobeying God's commandments. Oh man, we learned about that in the epistle of Ephesians, right? When Paul talked about those who get distracted with being busy and distracted with lesser things. We learn about that in Jonah, about people and what happens when we don't obey God's commandments. Basically, folks, Solomon chose his own way 
And he chose his own path and his own desires and his own wants. And he exchanged the gifts of wisdom for the giver of wisdom, namely our creator in God. Uh, we, we, learned, we learned about that in Jonah. Solomon was another Jonah as well. But, but the question should be right now on your heart, how, how on earth can someone who's filled with so much, like Jonah wasn't known for being a man of wisdom. Peter wasn't known of being a, a great man of How? How can the, the wisest man to ever live, how could he end? How could he end so foolishly? Okay, so I want to provide that answer to the best of my ability in a simple yet pastoral way So, because that's going to be our backdrop across this entire series to keep us healthy and focused in the right ways. Okay, so, so here it is. Here's a story of, of wisdom to foolishness and, and what happened particularly with Solomon. It's, it's on your screen. Here it is. Solomon made the deadly mistake of seeing wisdom as the end goal for good living instead of seeing wisdom as the pathway to holy living. Man, that is so important. I'm going to say it again. Solomon made the deadly mistake or exchange of seeing wisdom as the end goal for good living instead of seeing wisdom as the pathway, folks as the pathway to holy living. Okay, so, so with that being said, I, I now want to provide a, a simple yet profound a pastoral definition of what wisdom actually is. We got to get categories today so we can really prepare ourselves to, to go crazy in the book of Proverbs. Okay, so, so here's my simple yet pastoral definition of, of wisdom from a, from a biblical perspective. It's, it's on your screen. Wisdom, okay, is acquired or imparted knowledge conjoined to the supernatural ability and capacity for me and you to discern and judge what is true, what is right, and lasting and make kingdom use of it. I'm going to say that to you again. Wisdom is acquired or imparted knowledge. So there's knowledge. It's a raw material. And then it's affixed and it's conjoined to the supernatural ability. It comes from God to discern and judge what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. And then we make kingdom use of it. Okay. And so, and so right from the beginning, I want to be clear with you. So, so here's the next building block. I know it's a lot right now, but here's the next building block for us to understand. It's, it's also on your screen. Okay. Wisdom that does not lead to kingdom purposes is not genuine wisdom. It's deceptive foolery that leads to your own kingdom being established and ultimately, folks, failing. It fails, folks, in the end. Like, like can't you see? Wisdom that terminates on, on earthly things is, is temporary and it's lacking and it's, it's fraudulent and ultimately it's going to be unhelpful, brothers and sisters, in your life. It's a massive distraction in your life. And, and that's the great irony, folks, of, of Solomon's life. Namely, that he was the wisest, that the wisest man just so happened to end his life as a fool because he distracted his life with lesser things and he busied himself up with worldly things. That's the backdrop and that's, that's the shadow looming all over Solomonic-like writings, folks, and don't you ever 
ever forget it. Therefore, we need to understand at the most fundamental level that wisdom without kingdom initiatives attached to it is the deceptive playground for the enemy. Are you tracking wisdom at the most fundamental level without kingdom initiatives attached to it is the deceptive playground of Satan's park. And, and he's the bully at this park and he doesn't let up and he doesn't calm down. And he doesn't go away for anyone, for any reason. You got to know that. And so, yes, yes, yes. The pursuit and the acquisition and the activation of information and knowledge and wisdom wisdom most definitely can lead you astray and can cause you to sin by compelling you to do lesser things and distracting things than what God has for you, but what the culture is going to promote for you to do. And that's what happened historically in Mark chapter 3. We just talked about that in our church, about the crowd, right? Like that's what continues to happen today in our lives, folks, with many who claim to be followers of Jesus, but ultimately, folks, they are most definitely of the crowd. And I don't want that to be my destiny. I don't want that for you either. Listen, the crowd from Mark chapter 3 would eventually mature through the centuries and develop a disposition and a belief that wisdom, wisdom was a means to learn how to now get what they used to get from Jesus. That's what wisdom became. Wisdom and science and everything we want to do is how can I get what Jesus gave and what God gave and how can I get that on my own? But, but yet the called Mm, the disciples of Christ would eventually mature and they would grow in their belief and disposition through the centuries as well. Like, like everyone was developing. However, they would develop a belief system and a posture that wisdom was the spiritual material they needed. Not to establish their own kingdom, not to get um, more gifts as an end, but to better imitate Jesus, the infinite chief who's wise, so they could better establish his kingdom. Are you getting that? So, so, so in a way, both groups, both groups, the crowd and the cult, they're both leveraging what they saw in Jesus and in Jesus' wisdom, but they're doing something different with it. Okay, like, like. They have a different motivation, okay? So the called, they're using their discretions and their ultimate aims towards kingdom initiatives. The crowd is using the disposition and the aims and the discernment towards themselves. The crowd would use their growing wisdom and their growing knowledge to get more things. That's the crowd. The called would use their wisdom to redeem things and partner with things and to free things up in the earthly so that heaven could come down on earth. Like, that's a totally different energy, isn't it? Okay, so this leads to our next important takeaway. It's, it's on your screen. This is the path, the posture, the path, and the purpose of wisdom, okay? So, so life in Christ is the total surrender of a life once focused on the temporary for a rebirth and a renewed vision of a life aimed towards eternity. Now, for that renewed vision to manifest in one's life, a spirit-filled, fully focused on Jesus, everywhere and all the time type of posture and path is necessary. 
Regarding your posture towards a life aimed towards eternity, wisdom provides new attitudes, perspectives, perceptions, understandings, and conclusions for you that are distinctly different from your first inclinations. In regards to your path that should be aimed towards eternity, wisdom provides new reasonings, goals, and establishable wins for you that are counterintuitive to your primal desires and instincts. Oh, you're going to have to read this again later. I've thought deeply about this. There's a lot here. Therefore, Biblical wisdom activated is only possible with the help of the Holy Spirit and His imparted presence into the knowledge and wisdom you acquire. Therefore, the purpose of this book is to provide you with the raw materials that you need to live towards eternity while being kingdomly fruitful and kingdomly helpful in the present. And, and folks, I want you to know that Jesus purchased these raw materials for you, praise Christ. Like, like you and I most definitely could not afford them on our own. But, but it gets even better because then the Holy Spirit steps up and provides that supernatural support to build you and I up, to wisen us up into a masterpiece of a creature, excuse me, of a creature Scripture calls sons of God. Are you kidding me? Miracle. Man, and, and we're going to journey now more and more into learning just how all this comes together as we work through this immensely profitable book. And, and all of it, folks, is going to be really good news. So, so let's pray and let's make that our aim and our focus and our foundation today. Let's, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, it is because of you that we are gathered here today by faith. And we are not here because you need anything from us. You are not served by human hands as though you needed anything from us. It is us that's gathered here totally today for you. We are radically dependent on you. So, so Holy Spirit, help us to remember that when we don't have access to tap into that very real reality because everything we are and, and everything we can become is established in you and because of you and for you and, and that means that the things you prioritize and the things that you are excuse me and the things that you are saying is necessary to set us apart and be distinctly different as creatures from the rest of creation needs to matter it needs, needs to matter to us infinitely more today it, it needs to matter to us in such a way that causes us to make those spirit-filled exchanges of our attitudes and our aims and our trajectories and decisions. But, but Lord, for all of that to be possible, we're going to need wisdom, spirit-filled, biblically saturated, Holy Spirit-empowered wisdom, deep and robust and specific and reliable and timely and anointed wisdom that has not only stood the test of time, but is inspired by the one who saves praise Christ. So Holy Spirit, help us to see that which we cannot see on our own and provide the raw materials for us to see that which we do not want to face today. It's because of your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Okay, let's, let's, look, at, let's look at verse 2 again. It's, it's on your screen. To know wisdom 
and instruction to understand words of insight. Okay, so what's going on here? Folks, though it is true, I want you to know this, though it is true that we are living in the age of, of technology, I think it's more faithful actually to express it in this way that our culture is living today in the age of information. But, but irrespective of which depiction, namely age of information or age of technology, whatever feels most accurate to you, I think we can all agree that we most definitely aren't living in the age of wisdom. Like, we don't live, we don't live in the world really trying to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight. That's, that's not what we're usually doing as, as a world, as humanity today. In fact, sociologist and secular thinker of culture, Dwalton, had this to say. It's, it's on your screen, and it's deep, and it's wide, and it's, and it's productive. Many people who are wizards with their computers today seem to be amateurs when it comes to making success out of their lives. The buffoonery, I love that word, the buffoonery of our interests disguised under the notion of wisdom, advancement, innovation, and priorities will be the legacy of our country. I am afraid, this is Dwalton speaking, I am afraid we are doomed to fail, from, we, um, excuse me, I'm afraid we were doomed to fail from our inception and our legacy may be remembered as the shortest lived world power to ever exist. That's, that's sobering. Okay, for the first time in history, a world power prioritizes automation, over relationships, stars and space travel over poverty and governmental integrity. Innovation is chosen, chosen over the ever-increasing sex trafficking problem, and individualism has become spotlighted as the deconstruction of the family unit continues to burn. Wow. At the center of this firestorm are computers and wizards of progress, yet amateurs of true understanding of what makes us human. Relationships, generosity, and sacred community are things of the past. Perhaps religion is necessary, wow, and not archaic. Admittedly, I do not know. Religion poses its own challenges for me, but our future looks grim at best. Now, now for the Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christian, we should see so much in this quote, right? Like, like I was actually so encouraged when I read what Dwalton was saying, knowing how completely Jesus the Christ and his church provides the remedy and the prescription to Dwalton's pain point. Are you tracking with me? But, but I was also saddened to see how far and unaccessible Jesus and the cross and the church is from this mind, this man who clearly has a good head on his shoulders. My man Dwalton thinks well, but he's far, he's far from the truth. But, but what I want you to see from his statement is that even the atheists and the agnostics acknowledge that something, folks, is going terribly wrong and that we aren't making wise choices anymore as a people. Like, we really are living in the age of information as opposed to the age of wisdom. We're not pursuing wisdom and discretion anymore. And, and right here in the text, Solomon sends us a love letter right here in verse 2 saying, Your individual future doesn't have to look grim. 
You don't have to live that way. Here's how to know wisdom and instruction. And here's how to understand words of insight. You don't have to end a buffoon. That's what Solomon's saying. But it gets better because then we, the glad beneficiaries of having a privileged position, living in the age of the easy access to the Bible era, we, we get this access to the Bible in a way that the people of the biblical times didn't. We get to take this as a love letter combined with the radical understanding of Solomon's own failures to receive the redeemed mindset version of what I think Solomon will say now if he could see it from this position, it would be something like this. Your individual future doesn't have to look grim. Here's how to know wisdom and instruction. And here's how to understand words of insight for your life. Start by utilizing the raw materials of knowledge and wisdom that I'm going to lay out for you in this book I'm going to call Proverbs, but aim the wisdom and aim the knowledge at Jesus. Put Jesus in the middle. You don't have to be a buffoon. Okay, so I want you to know that when Solomon says to perceive the words of wisdom, right there in the text, to which means to perceive or to see, the reference to sight, seeing, implies that these words of wisdom could be read and seen, and in fact, were almost always read. Okay, they were read out loud. This is this is going to be deep. Folks, both in Sumer and in ancient Egypt, schoolboys, schoolboys notoriously wrote down this instruction literature on a regular basis. Okay, therefore, reading and writing and memorizing and thinking deeply was a part of ancient culture. Like, Literally, they spent time every morning learning how to be wise, how to have knowledge, how to have discretion, how to be a wise dealer with life. It was a focus point. And this was also true in ancient Israel as well. Most children first mastered rote memory, meaning just know it, A, B, C, D, remember it, remember the proverb, remember the, the wisdom as a rote memory reciting type of posture. And then they matured into thoughtful young adults that had great literacy in this instruction literature from the book of Proverbs. Just, just look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, 9, or Deuteronomy chapter eleven twenty, 20, or Judges 8, 14, because literacy and an established posture towards wisdom and knowledge and using wisdom as a path to wise dealing and understanding the purpose of wisdom was a high priority for the Israelite home folks since since the very the very beginning and and we can learn so much from this regarding our own devotion time and how we can study and memorize and focus our minds on Christ but but that's for another day in proverbs and we're going to get to that so let's let's keep tracking because when Solomon says in verse 2 to know wisdom to know wisdom to know wisdom i i think it's of paramount paramount of importance that we really make sure we understand the difference between wisdom and knowledge we got we got to juxtapose those and and right now if you're thinking pastor brandon i thought you just gave us a simple yet profound definition of, of the two concepts already i thought i got it now uh, uh, I, I want you to know that you'd be you'd be dead wrong and, and if i'm being honest this is where i want to lovingly and gently invite you in to lean in and to pay more careful attention because i need you today to participate with great circumspection 
This stuff is deep waters. And this is where I want to really help us as a church community. If I'm being honest, I want to help us as a church community to take another step forward in being more thoughtful and more meditative as a people group to think deeply upon the text, upon God's, upon God's word in the Bible. Because, because the reality is, I've only defined wisdom so far in a very simple way. And I've shown that it contains the word knowledge in its framework, but I have yet to juxtapose wisdom from knowledge because we're going to learn something really important and distinctively different about the two. Okay, so so let's get that done now. It's going to be on your screen. Okay, so so knowledge is a collection of facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through an experience or education. It's theoretical or practical. Uh, it's a theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. That's the most simple way I could define it for you. Okay, but but wisdom is the acquired or imparted knowledge. So it's everything we just said, acquired or imparted, and see, and the supernatural ability and capacity to discern and judge what is true, what is right, and what is lasting, and then making kingdom use of it. you got to get that in your head and heart today. Folks, one primary difference between the two words is that wisdom involves a healthy dose of perspective. Repeat after me. Wisdom requires a healthy dose of um, perspective. Does, does that make sense? In other words, wisdom contains the ability to make sound judgments on a subject while knowledge is simply knowing the subject at hand. Like, like anyone, anyone can become knowledgeable about a subject by, by reading or researching or memorizing facts or witnessing events or experiencing things in life. But wisdom, folks, comes down to knowing when to say things and knowing when to do things with all those facts and events and experiences that come. Does, does that make sense? So, so oftentimes, knowledge is gained through studying new information, whereas wisdom comes down to understanding the fundamental nature of the things that you're learning in life and activating them in a timely and productive way. Okay, so that's it. We're, we're starting to get into the thick of things now, so you know what time it is. Eyes up here with your mind so clear. Eyes up here with your mind so clear. Okay, think through this example with me. Knowledge is knowing how to use a gun while wisdom is knowing when to use it and when to keep it in the holster. Like, like a gun is a very powerful thing, right? Like, there's a way to operate a gun that's wise. There's a time to use it in a gun range, and there's a time to use it in a teaching mentality. There's even a time to use it to protect our country and, and, and to protect us from enemies. But there's also a way that it can cause deadly damage and an accident. So you have to use wisdom. Wisdom tells you how to use that gun. And let me be honest with you. Some of the smartest, most intelligent people, folks, they aren't really wise at all. In other words, they know all about how to use the proverbial guns of life, but they are flat out clueless of knowing when and where and how and why to activate that usage. Folks, most people know how to do things in life. I just want to be honest with you, but very few people know how to put it all together. 
when it counts and, and their life is chaotic and they can't lead their homes and they can't lead their teams and they can't lead people and they can't lead themselves. Can I get a witness? So many of us are so reactive as a people at best, unable to approach the rainforest of our lives that have complexity without someone cutting down a path for us and making everything easy and smooth. That's what the age of information is, is force feeding information into you and is robbing you of the opportunity to be a meditative people that, that thinks deeply with the Holy Spirit's power about the things of life. So instead, trusting in God and in his designs institutions and in his covenantal family structures and, and it becomes things of the past and we look to lesser things and distracting things to make us feel better. We got to be careful. We, we medicate ourselves and medicate ourselves and medicate ourselves and medicate ourselves and medicate ourselves with pleasure and idols and money and homes and retirement plans and so many things. That's what sociologist Dwalton is trying to say, folks. That's what Solomon is preparing to teach us as he was teaching those schoolboys. Even if Solomon himself foolishly decided to walk in a way that was contrary to his own counsel. And, and this is a great opportunity for, for me to give you a strong warning as a believer. Support for my own life too. Woe to us who give counsel to other people about the things of God and then we don't walk it out ourselves. So, so I, I want to help you today as your pastor to prepare not to, to end like Solomon, but to, but to walk with faithfulness. So, so Holy Spirit, help me. Help me today to, to align with your word and to align with your heart that is matching the Father's. Help me preach today. Okay, okay, so, so pay attention. God wants us, you, you and me, to both have knowledge of him and knowledge of what he expects of us. He does want us to have that knowledge. Like, like knowledge is a good and a right and a true thing. I just want to land that plane today because in order to obey God, we have to have the raw materials of knowledge regarding his thoughts and his inclinations and his desires and his commands, right? Like we need that. So, so don't get caught up in the hype from those who over-spiritualize things that say that knowledge is a bad thing. Like, like stop it. That's, that's not true. Like, don't get caught up in that hype. They're dead wrong. However, I just want you to know that knowledge alone it's not going to be enough, okay? It's, it's not going to get it done. You, you need wisdom and knowing facts about God and, and facts about the Bible and facts about what he wants from you. Devoid of wisdom and sound judgment, folks, you're not going to get that far. And, and to that reality, James, Jesus' little brother, says that wisdom is actually, folks, it's a gift from God. Are you tracking? In chapter 1, verse 5 of his, of his book, he states, If any one of you, if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you. That's, that's, that's profound. Therefore, God blesses us with wisdom in order that we might glorify him and use the knowledge we have of him and what he wants and what he desires and that and the knowledge that we have of him then we take that but pay attention but the hope the the hope and the end goal is that we would use the wisdom for kingdom purposes 
That's what it means to be a Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christian. That's why this series is titled, folks, The Book of Proverbs, Becoming Wise, um, excuse me, Becoming Wiser and Kingdom Focused. It's not the book of Proverbs become wiser, period. It's become wiser with becoming wiser and kingdomly focus. But but that's not often what we want, is it? Come on, let's just be honest. We often don't want that kingdom focus part. We want the wisdom without the kingdom focus. We want the fruit without the meaning. We want the gifts without the giver. Let's just be honest. We don't always want it the other way. Um, uh, but But how many of us, How many of us, honestly, if we really wanted to be faithful about what we should use our wisdom for that it gives us, how many of us want a different exchange? And Because that was the character and that was the decision that was ultimately the testimony, folks, of Solomon's life. Namely, he used the wisdom to for the wisdom God gave him to build a perfect life here at the cost of positioning his heart on a path with a posture and intentionality to have the perfect life in eternity. Oh man, I'm going to say that again. Solomon used the wisdom that God gave him to build a perfect life here at the cost of positioning his heart to go down a path with a posture for a perfect life in eternity. Now, now I hope I'm not discouraging you too much as we get ready to dive into the book of Proverbs in this season, because truthfully, I believe arguably it's the prime real estate in the entire Bible for those who want to learn biblical wisdom, how to be wise in their life. So, so don't let Solomon's personal story discourage you. That, that's not what it's in the Bible for. That's not God's energy. That's not God's desire. We talked about that. Woe, woe to the cultural Christianity that looks at the Old Testament and God as an angry, judgmental God. No, no, no. Stop it. We learned radically that God is a God of second chances, praise Christ, and 35th chances and 55 chances and 265,000 chances. And right here, the book of Proverbs has been given to me and you as an opportunity to have another chance to have a look at the purpose of wisdom. So, so, so rather do this. Always remember that God works through people's brokenness for his glory and his purposes and other people's shortcomings despite their failures. And he makes something good of it. Oh man, I'm going to say it again. Always remember that God works through people's brokenness for his glory and his purposes and others' shortcomings despite their failures. And he makes something of it and he calls it good. And he brings that, folks, radically into our lives. You see, (laughs) break this down. Despite Jonah's decision and heart problems towards the Ninevites, God used Jonah. Repeat that. God used Jonah. Oh, man. And he used him as an ambassador to save millions. And despite Peter's denial three times of Jesus, God used Peter. Repeat after me. God used... Peter, and he did it to build and establish the church. Crazy, right? Okay, I'm not done. Despite Paul's murderous tendencies towards Christians, he used Paul. Say it. God used Paul. Oh my goodness, he used Paul to write nearly the entire New Testament. Wacky. I'm not done. Despite Joseph's pride and arrogance, you know the deal. Say, say, God used Joseph. 
Thank you. God used him to save an entire nation. Are you kidding me? <laughs> One more. Despite Thomas's doubt, say it with me, God used Thomas, and he used him to plant dozens and dozens and dozens of churches. Are you kidding me? Look at me. I'm dead serious. Right here. Despite Judas's ultimate portrayal, say it with me and believe it right now. God used Judas. He most definitely did. God used Judas to lead and teach and draw many people to the kingdom of heaven. You better believe it. And so, oh man, despite Solomon's personal decisions, God is most definitely using Solomon today. You, you can take that to the bank. And, and, it's, and he's using Solomon, and he's using the, the wisdom that he gave Solomon to grant us a fair shake at this timeless book of wisdom. And it will be your individual choice. And it's going to be my individual choice regarding whether we make better decisions with the wisdom that we learn. So, so as we march forward today with, with, with courage and confidence, we need that. Just, just land in the safe waters right now that we will most definitely, unapologetically aim to gather more information and to gather more knowledge as we study through this glorious book of the Bible we call Proverbs. But we will need to ask God. I'm going to help you with that pastorally. We're going to ask God to give us a spirit-filled approach to learn how to act properly upon the knowledge and the wisdom that we obtain. We want to use it for kingdom initiatives and kingdom purposes. Praise Christ. And I'm going to do my best job with all my limitations to facilitate that exchange. So, so in a way, we are actually going to see that wisdom is the fitting application of the knowledge we learn in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs as time goes, goes by. And there's going to be, uh, this is going to be a new concept, and there's going to be elementary wisdom that we're going to have to get first. And then over time, we're going to be able to get the wisdom that's matured from that elementary wisdom as we deepen out deeper into the series and as time and experiences continue to go forth in your life. Okay, so so let's do this again because I want to really needle this this truth about about knowledge and wisdom in their elementary and matured and practical forms so we can have all the frameworks that we're going to need and I'm confident that that we can do this together. Okay, so 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 eyes up here with your mind so clear. Eyes up here with your minds so clear. Listen, knowledge understands the street light has turned red. Are you tracking with me? It it acknowledges that. But but elementary wisdom calls out from the streets of your heart to apply the brakes in your vehicle in light of that. And yet matured wisdom tells you to drive cautiously in a way where you don't have to slam on your brakes in, in the first place. Does, does that make sense in a very kind of simple, simple example? So, so if you're constantly running through yellow lights and you find yourself having to break the, um, to hit your brakes hard when you're driving all the time to avoid an accident, you may have the knowledge and the understanding and the raw materials of how a red light, uh, how a red street light works, but you're not, you're not very wise, are you, in your dealings of what you know. Listen, knowledge sees the quicksand and understands and even perceives that it's dangerous. But elementary wisdom tells you to walk 
around it. That, does that does that make sense? I was thinking about this on with my candle to to help you to get these these concepts. Okay. Yet matured wisdom decides in advance that there are certain locations to be avoided in the first place of where you should be walking in these different jungles and rainforests. Okay. Knowledge approaches the mom with two toddlers. Get this example. Knowledge approaches the mom with two toddlers standing by the same quicksand and the third toddler who has unfortunately fallen into the quicksand and the third toddler is sinking folks. He's sinking real fast. And, and so knowledge tells the mom to search for a solution because it's her parental duty to respond. But yet elementary wisdom compels her beyond that knowledge to be sacrificial and compassionate to save her child. There's a way that this mom should respond and wisdom tells her that, elementary wisdom tells her that. And yet matured wisdom, so wisdom that has experience and, and, and understanding, matured wisdom warns her not to jump though, not to jump into the quicksand and to attempt to save her child because they both would die and the other two toddlers that are standing nearby would be left alone in the jungle, rendering all of their lives to be lost. They, they'd all die. Okay, okay, so, so track with me. So knowledge perceives the information and the mom can access it. Are you tracking? But, but elementary wisdom compels her to problem solve the situation with intentions and goals and conclusions. But it's matured wisdom. Until you get mature in your wisdom, that's what challenges the mom to look for the best possible outcome with what's available to her. Are you tracking? It's not just the best outcome of her desire. It's the best outcome that's available. Wisdom trumps your feelings. Okay, so, so if we were to tell the mom, be wise in that moment, what we would be saying is, mom, make the best possible decision with the options that are available to you, but not through the sole lens of what you want right now or what you desire, which is obviously what? To save her child, folks, at all costs. Do you, do you see this nuance I'm trying to give you? Okay, therefore, matured wisdom compels her to do all that she can without risking it all. Because right now, she's being forced to make important decisions under pressure. Under pressure is the key. That's the thing about living in a complex world and making complex decisions. It's not just the decision that's in front of us that's difficult. It's the pressure of the decision and the demand for it to be made with a time limit upon it. Okay, so in other words, knowledge about the quicksand's ability to kill someone allows the mom to have a proper orientation to her child's danger, but knowledge alone won't be enough for the mom to know what to do next. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so that's where wisdom comes in. That's why we need it. Okay, so so let's keep let's keep doing this a couple more times with with your roadmaps right now. Your sermon guides is going to be on your screen because this is this is everything. If you want to if you want to be wise and you want to be productive in the book of Proverbs, it's it's on your screen. Okay, so so knowledge knows that the Ten Commandments are important. You get that? 
you read the raw materials of, of the Bible and it tells you this is important. Okay, but, but elementary wisdom says to therefore memorize and obey them as a command of God. You see how it goes a step up. Okay, watch this. Matured wisdom doesn't stop there. It says that they are life and healing to your bones and reveals the opportunity at hand for joy. Oh man, that's that's different. You do you see the progression? Knowledge acknowledges elementary wisdom obeys matured wisdom sees the fruit. Okay, well let's let's do another one. Knowledge learns about God, right? Okay, but elementary wisdom teaches you to love him. You see the difference? Don't just know what he is, love who he is. Okay, but matured wisdom equips you on how to love him against the pain points of life that threaten your heart to go the opposite way. Do you see the progression? Okay, knowledge learns the, the information and the raw materials of God, but it doesn't mean it's not important. Without the information and the raw materials of God, you can't, love, you can't love a God you don't know. You can't love a wife you don't know. You can't love a child you don't have time with. So, so, so knowledge is good, it's good, it's good. Okay, but you need wisdom to get to the point where you love, love, love God. How do I love God? How do I take the information of God and love him? Elementary wisdom helps you there. But matured, I mean, excuse me, teaches you that you should love God. Elementary wisdom calls out that you should love him. But it's not until you grow wise and mature that you understand how to do what you know you're supposed to do. That's what wisdom does for you. You want one more? Here, here we go. One more. Knowledge teaches the principles of money and how it works. Like that's the raw materials. This is what money is. This is how you do it. Okay, but 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 elementary wisdom challenges you into a self-discovery to manage your budget properly and to create aims and goals to achieve. Okay, but it's it's not until you get wise and matured that you become tethered to the point where you examine what those aims and goals should be, and it pulls you to seek biblical counsel as a check and balance to that self-discovery process. Do you see the development? Okay, so knowledge teaches you the raw materials of money and stewardship, but it's the elementary wisdom that makes a value system that says this is important, therefore you should create aims. But it's not until you grow wise, until you grow wise that you're able to then know that you need God, God, God into the middle of that discovery process. Like, are you starting to get this? Wisdom is all about the right use of what we know for daily living. And, and when we look at our culture, it's easy. It's easy to see that we're not very interested in this type of wisdom anymore. Instead, we are interested in making money and, and having good times and building our homes and building our 401ks and advancing our, our lifestyles for, for more money and, and more comfort and, and more good times. And, and almost everyone Everyone wants to be well-liked, right? Just tell the truth. But, but what about wisdom? What about true biblical wisdom? Wisdom that calls for us to sacrifice beyond our comfort and to die beyond our expectations and to live beyond cultural standards. What about that, people of God? That type of pursuit of wisdom is not popular anymore, is it? It's just not popular. And that leads to our next important takeaway. Here it is. It's, 
that's on your screen. It's about what true wisdom is asking of us, folks. Okay, so, so true wisdom from heaven compels us to sacrifice beyond our comfort and to die beyond our expectations and to live, to radically live beyond the cultural standards. Does, does that make sense? Like true wisdom, it comes from heaven. It's not from earth. It comes from God's word, not your own heart and flesh. And, and true biblical wisdom always has sacrifice in it. And it always pulls you beyond your comfort and beyond what you expect for yourself and to live beyond, beyond a cultural standard. Okay, so, so let's keep tracking now to verse 3 of Proverbs because it keeps getting deeper and wider and even, and even more legit. Okay, so, so to know wisdom and instruction, to, to understand words of insight, ready? To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equality. Okay, okay, so, so here's the thing. The book of Proverbs could, be, could actually be recoined as the university of wisdom. It, it'd be faithful, and we should come with a freshman-like mentality, ready with, with open hearts and, and open minds, ready to learn and receive what the professor has for us, namely the dean and professor Solomon. Okay, and, and, and if we think about it in this context of the university of wisdom, what, what, what Solomon, dean and professor Solomon, would say is that there's three classes available to us right here in our freshman year for us to take. And so here they are. Here they are on, on your screen. Okay, so, so the first class is Wisdom for Righteous Living, class, class 101. And, and in this class, you will learn how to activate wise dealings in your life so that it is holy and acceptable, both, both to God, right, and, and where he's leading us towards. So, so that's the first class. That's what Solomon's saying. We're gonna, you're going to learn. That's what he's teaching all these, these school-age boys that he's, he's giving this instruction, this wisdom instruction literature to. Okay, so, so the next one that's being explained right here in the text of verse 3 is, is wisdom for justice, class 204. I hope, hope you enjoy this. Wisdom for, class, uh, for justice, class 204. And, and in this class, you will learn how to activate wise dealings as justice bearers for those who can't defend themselves. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so in this class, it's going to be about learning how you can be equipped to make things right. Oh, man. Like, like you get to be an ambassador who goes in Christ to help make things right here on, on this earth. Okay, and then, and then in the last class of this freshman year, we get to go to Wisdom for Equity class 300. And, and in this class, we, we get to learn how to activate wise dealings as image bearers that create fair and impartial love for people who need it most. Are you tracking? Okay, so, so in this class, uh, Professor and Dean Solomon is going to teach us how to establish and hold Christ-centered value systems in our heart that other people folks that other people can experience. And so, and so Solomon opens up the book declaring that these are the three areas or the three classes, uh, namely righteousness and, and justice and, and equity that, we, that need to be free-flowing from our lives out of the heart out of the heart of the matter. And, and so in a way, this book is to help even the newest believer. I got good news. If you're new to the faith, it's, this book is radically aimed to help even the newest believer, if that's you, to, to know the one who saves. And it's to help you through the struggles of living in a complex world. And it gives you access to a 
confident king, and we call him Jesus. And it's to teach you the ways and the mind and the intentionality of how Jesus, how Jesus, how he walked. And it helps you. It helps you, young Christian, immature Christian, new believer, how to gain what you need as handles for different parts of the Bible that will be more difficult. It's, it's to help that guy or that girl activate the global meta teachings of Scripture in their lives. And, and the real benefit, check this out, and the real benefit is that you and I don't have to live our entire lifetime first just to gain enough understanding of the Bible at large, because that would be overwhelming, and all of its deeper implications just to get some serious traction and growth in our lives. Like, if, if you've ever been to a faithful church with a faithful preaching, they always say, like, holding the full counsel of God, hold the thing in tension. That will take a lifetime. And so Proverbs helps to close that gap. That Let me just be honest with you. That's why I was able to lead people to Jesus and to mature as uh, and to help others mature as disciples well beyond my biblical understanding or my theological perspectives, even in my 20s and even to this day. Because, listen, I could pull deeper meanings out of Jonah and Ephesians because of what I was learning from the wisdom literature in Proverbs. And, and here in Proverbs, I could learn, and I did, some of the same qualities and dispositions that we learn from these kind of harder, more sophisticated books. And, and then they come together, and they, and they really make sense. Okay, like, let me think about it this way. I could use the elementary wisdom and eventually the wisdom that came with maturity over time to help me right away as I continue to learn the Bible, folks, at large. And once I entered into other books of the Bible more deeply, I could pull from the Proverbs. Are you with me? I could pull from the Proverbs deeper wisdom and understanding of what I was even reading in these other, these other books. Okay, so let me show you what I mean. I want to make you an amazing, confident, courageous student learner today. Okay, so, so we learn here at RCC from Ephesians that harmony and the unity of the body is critically important, right? Okay, okay. Like, like Ephesians takes us into the deeper implications of this concept of unity and harmony in some really profound and deep ways. But, but Proverbs, Proverbs packages these massive, these massive systems of thought into bite-sized nuggets. They're small. We can chew on them a little bit differently. And for, for many of us, it's going to be, it's going to be more consumable. Like consider Proverbs chapter 24, verse six. It's, it's on your screen. Okay, for by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in a in an, excuse me, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Now, 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 what is going on here? Like, what could be the connection to Proverbs twenty four six to an Ephesians context of unity and harmony? Okay, so that, that would take a lot of time to to unpack. But I wanted to give you that as a as a test. You go home and you think about that. Do you see the overlapping connection? But it's okay. It, it might take you a while to see that. So let's let's do a little easier one, a little a little softball right now. Okay. 
Okay, so in Jonah, our, our most recent book series that we've been in, we learned that God, God is a God of second chances, right? And, and that he extends those opportunities to those who are walking in darkness and the, those who are far from him and are living contrary to his, to his desires. Do you, do you remember that? We learned that Jonah was called to arise and, and go and, and call out against a, a nation of, of perpetrators that, that, and, and God sent Jonah that he might rescue these perpetrators perpetrators, these, these, these people who are doing evil things, um, and to give them an opportunity to have a life with God. He was, he was calling Jonah to go to a people who were separated from him to give them opportunity to join him in a God story. Do you, do you remember that? Okay, okay. so in Proverbs, we get a glimpse into this. Check this out. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11, this will be a little bit easier for today. Verse 11, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Remember that that's that's the Ninevites, right? Like the way they're living and the way they're they're acting and behaving, it's leading them to death. Okay, watch this. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Man, that's Jonah, right? Like, like he keeps making choices. He he arrives in Nineveh with 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 fish, gastric juices all over the place. He gets another opportunity after tapping out and looking up and linking in and praising God. But what does he do? His heart's not right. And so he ends up in the middle of the desert. He's about to die. And God gives him another opportunity because he's stumbling to the slaughter. He's going to die. So, so God grows a plant. He appoints one. And he, and he provides shade. But Jonah still won't choose him. This is the energy. Hold back. God literally left the millions, praise Christ, in Nineveh who were praising his name to try to hold back Jonah. Who was, who was stumbling? Are you, are you seeing this? Like, like folks, Proverbs shrinks down the theology of Jonah into bite-sized pieces that we can understand. Isn't that good news? You still should go do the, pro- the other one in Ephesians. It's, it's deep. Like, 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 just imagine there was a book of the Bible that contained massive sections of biblical theology in bite-sized nuggets that you could actually hold in your palms so much easier. And then imagine that you gained access to that book. Like, what would that do for you? Because it's true. The book of Proverbs has been given to me and you because because that's the gift from God. That's the gift from God. And I want you to learn to step into it. He's, He's literally gifted you and me with an amazing, amazing inheritance right here in the text. He's given us the raw materials of knowledge and the the raw materials of wisdom that we need to do every single thing that he's asking us to do now and forever towards eternity. Like, folks, he left no stone unturned in the book of Proverbs. I promise you that that is legit. That's different. Oh, man, God's ways, God's order, God's design, God's intentionality to provide us what we need to be wiser with kingdom, with kingdom focuses. Okay, we got to keep tracking forward because man, this is legit. So let's go to let's go to verse four now. It's it's on your screen. So verse two said to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instructions and in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. All those classes we're going to learn. Ready? Verse four to give prudence to the simple. 
knowledge and discretion to the youth. Now, now what does this word prudence mean? That's a weird word. So, so let's just define that real quick. It's not going to be on your screen, but I'm just going to give it to you real quick off, off my head. So, so prudence is um, using caution or great circumspection. Um, it's, it's having the skills and the judgment that you need to avoid danger and to take the right type of risk. That's what it means to have prudence. So, so to give you the ability to be cautious and to have great circumspection where you look at three things from a 360-degree perspective and you're able to know what's going on and it gives you the judgment faculties you need to take the right, the right risk at the right time in your, in your life. Like that's, that's important. And, and the simple one, right here it says, to give prudence to the simple, right? Okay, so to give prudence to the simple ones that's being referred to right here, yeah, those are people that were um, un, kind of uneducated or, or people who need especially more information than they have. That they're struggling. They don't have prudence. And so this is what we want to give for, for us who struggle like that. And to help you frame this a little bit better, one characteristic of a, of a simple man or, or a simple woman is how gullible how gullible that person is. And let me be honest, we all have seasons and we all have times where we are that simple man and we are that simple woman devoid of prudence. Okay, okay so Solomon is saying, I want to provide safety rails for those who are easily persuaded to believe something without genuine warrant to believe it. Does that make sense? In fact, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15 says, the simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. You see that? Let me, let me say it to you again. I'm packing it. The simple, uneducated, immature one who needs guidance and more instruction believes every word that's told to him. Has that ever been you? But the prudent, meaning the one who's cautious and has the skills and the judgments and maturity of wisdom, that guy and that woman considers what he does well before he does it. So, so the simple person has a mind, folks, that's dangerously at risk to be taken advantage of. Paul, that's, that, Paul says it too. We learned that way back in Ephesians series. I, I love bringing the Bible, what we're learning all together. Do you remember when Paul said that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14? It's, it's on your screen. <clears throat> so that we may no longer be children, remember, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Okay, so translation, Paul's saying, don't be a simple man. Don't be a simple woman. Have spiritual prudence. And if you don't, we get tossed, and tossed to and fro by every single thing that comes into into our lives. And, and I want you to know this, this simple person, which is me and you at different times, I just want to be honest, we, we may have a lot of opinions, but, but we won't lack, but excuse me, but we will lack the deeply thought through and field tested convictions that we need. Let me say to you again, the simple man or the simple woman or the seasons where you've been a simple man or a simple woman are the seasons where you're lacking the deeply thought through and field-tested convictions you need to thrive and to be wise in your dealings here on earth. Like, like there's no girth and there's no substance and there's no depth and there's no experience and there's no Jesus in the middle of the things that you say when you're in this position. 
You're just a simple man and a simple woman, even if your intentions are pure and your love for Christ is legitimate. And, and right here, God is, is working, despite Solomon's sin, to say, I want to give you the raw materials you need, people of God, in order to become a more cautious and a more thoughtful, biblically, literally active disciple of Christ. Oh, man. And then God says, Because when your time comes to make a choice with your life, I want you to have the tools you need to decide your path and your uh, posture and your purpose rightly in any given situation. Okay, uh, theologian Walter uh, says it profoundly when he was saying this in his explanation of this passage of Scripture. I want to put this on the screen. Uh, excuse me, a word from Walt, sorry. The, the son and the gullible person stand on the threshold of full adulthood or awakening that is just around the corner. This is really deep. And now... The time is at hand when the son and the gullible must make a decisive stand towards the stances of his godly parents, meaning what the parents shared about a path of wisdom for his life or uh, the posture they should live with wisdom and the purpose of their wisdom. Okay, 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 let's, let's read that again. I want you to get that. And now the time is at hand when the son and the gullible must make a decisive stand towards the stances of his godly parents and the great sages of this world and their life views and values. Two conflicting worldviews make their appeal, and now the son and the gullible must choose true wisdom or folly, genuine goodness or uh, pseudo-goodness, pseudo meaning fake goodness, fraudulent, lacking, life or death. There is no third way. Are you understanding this? What Walt is saying is that whether it's the young person in the text that's being referred to as the young or the simple person, the gullible person, there comes a point where you have to choose God's version of wisdom and the sages of this world, meaning those who are wise of the world and what the people of the world and the culture says is most important. And there comes a point in all of our lives where we, get to, where we have to make a decision. What's actually wise? What the world says or what my God says. So that's, that's very true, isn't it? Like we are exposed to knowledge and we get to gain wisdom here, but we really need to make a choice about what we're going to do with it. Like, like let's go deeper though into the second part of this verse that we just read regarding knowledge and wisdom because it's important and it's, and it's for the youth. Because another aim that Psalm is establishing is that this book is going to particularly equip you so if you're young right now, you're inexperienced, not just by age, but by your time walking with Christ, uh, Paul is he's literally calling you out. He says, hey, this book's going to help you to know how and when and why to the various things in life that you struggle with. Doesn't that get you excited and pumped up? Like, focus, Solomon is trying to prepare the youth by age and the youth and the young by understanding of God to operate beyond that capacity. Like, that's good news. And, 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 the, and the aim that God has for us, despite Solomon, is to give us the discretionary tools that we need so we can walk and imitate Jesus, Ephesians chapter 5. Walk as imitators of him. Oh, man, this is, this is important. Okay, so if you're young, 
let's put some ages on this. If you're, if you're 12 years old, all the way up to, to 28 years old, you'd be considered young in a biblical understanding. God is inspiring Solomon to talk to you today. I want you to get this invitation. Like, Pastor Brennan, just teach me how to do it. No, I want to create a category. Love, love, love that God pursues you. We learned that. God is pursuing you, young man. God is pursuing you, young woman. And God is pursuing you, new believer. There's hope for you there. Like, like that's what we get to do. This is a love letter. It's a journal from the God of the universe. And it contains his wisdom. Do you get that? I want you to be hungry for that. And folks... Young people, new believers, if you don't want that, I fear the results are going to be devastating in your life. And, and from a discipleship perspective, Proverbs really becomes like our school campus at this university of wisdom where you mature believers, you graduates who have been walking for a while, we get to walk these young by age and these young by experience, we get to walk them through their freshman years of the faith. And we can do that right here in the book of Proverbs. If you've ever been mentoring someone, you know what to do in the Bible. Take them to Proverbs. Are you kidding me? And, and this, should, this should happen both by sitting down with the young in age and the young in experience of the Christ and, and looking at the Word and talking about the Word and memorizing the Word right here in Proverbs and pondering things. But folks, it should also cause us as those who are mature and deepened out to use the wisdom from Proverbs to, to use it in such a way that we speak proverb proverb infused rhema over their lives are you tracking with me you got to speak that proverbs infused rhema into the people that you are guiding okay so so let's keep tracking to verse five because this invitation from uh solomon keeps spreading and getting wider and more inclusive as it goes on look at it it's it's on your screen let the wise hear uh-oh, this ain't just for the young anymore. Let the wise now hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Oh, that's, that's good news. The, because the book of Proverbs, folks, is not only for the simple and the gullible and for the inexperienced and the young. It's most definitely for the mature believer as well. It's for the wise man, too. Because Solomon was saying to the parents who were proverbially sitting at the back of the auditorium watching their sons learn about what they need to learn about. And, and Solomon was saying, Hey, mom. Hey, dad. In the back of this auditorium, uh, I know you just came to drop your sons off and you're not really paying attention, but I got news for you. This book's for you, too. Wake up, oh sleeper. That, that's what's happening right here. So, so for the discerning and mature believer, the book of Proverbs becomes less of an introductory class for you because you've been walking and you're a little deepened out, uh, but it becomes like a seminar review conference for you. Does, does that make sense? It becomes a place where you as a mature Christian can be encouraged to continue in the ways of Jesus and your energy and your dispositions and your mentality. We need that. And, and like any good annual conference, there's always new little tidbits and perspectives and additions and re-additions to be found when we go to those annual conferences, right? Well, that's what Solomon's saying the book of Proverbs is for us. It's a reminder, a spirit 
filled reminder of the things from our first love that we need to keep doing. So, so for all you mature Christians, don't you dare be a lazy Christian because this book is most definitely for you to pick up in some radical ways. And, and this leads to a, a really beautiful invitation for us to all consider right here nestled in these first five verses. It's, it's on your screen. Okay, here's the invitation from the God of the universe. If you are young in age or young in your faith, or you are easily confused or overwhelmed when decisions need to be made, or you are looking for courage and confidence in your leadership and relationship dealings, or if you need, man, this is all of us, or if you are in need of some critically important reminders of how to simply live well, you have an invitation to come to the altar of God's Proverbs. You got free admission to the University of Wisdom. Are you kidding me? Because raw materials that lead to wisdom are available to you. Oh man, are you kidding me? Let let me let me let me unpack this for you. Let me let me Ephesians, Jonah, Proverbs this all together. Okay, so because God chose you and adopted you, because He redeemed you, and because He gave you an inheritance, and because you're forever wealthy, sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter one, two, three. Because you now come together as a glad people group that we call the people of God, sons and daughters of God, and we come together as a church, and we have this glorious book we call the Bible, inspired by God, because we are all serving a God of second chances and third and fourth chances and giving us opportunities because Jesus died on the cross and he went into hell for three days but 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 hell couldn't keep him there so he came out like the conquering king that he is oh my goodness lavishing gifts 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 one of the millions of gifts he gave was wisdom oh it's wisdom for your life that's that's legit okay so Let's land the plane, because I'm going to go crazy. Let's, let's land the plane in, in verse 6, because it's, it's also deep. Here, here it is. It's on your screen. So remember, verse 5 said, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and, and the one who obtains, gain, uh, excuse me, and the one who understands, obtain guidance. Here we go, verse 6. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Okay, now, now out of all the verses we've looked at today, this one I want to I want to really help and pastor us to, through for just a little bit because it's it's written really strange and it's it's a little bit weird and it's a little bit difficult, but it, it's charged folks with a with a heavy punch, and I don't want us to miss that. Okay, so so let me try to make this simple. Here, Dean and Professor Solomon is saying that the book that uh, excuse me that this book is going to particularly aim to solve the difficult and complex problems and riddles of life that often leave us shattered. I want you to get practical, not just this abstract sermon. Like this book is to help us with the difficult problems and the complexities and the riddles of our lives that, that, that break our hearts. That's what Solomon's saying. And, and, and that's the riddle part, folks, that's being illuminated. But because everyone knows that, that riddles are what? They're, they're elusive and, and they're frustrating sometimes and they're difficult to comprehend, right? Okay, so, so, so Solomon's saying, inspired by God, that life can be elusive. And you don't need me to preach that. You would live, right? And, and it can be frustrating and, and life can be difficult. It can leave us shattered. 
what is going on? And, and, Paul, and Paul knew this as well when he spent time in light chain house arrest. Do you remember that? When he was writing to the church the letter because they were dealing with complex things in a complex world. And so he, he wrote a letter and he gave them Proverbs. Like, what do you mean? Like, he gave them wisdom. That's what he did. And, and so he reminded them to be armored up. Ephesians chapter 6. He's like, hey, you've got to activate God's strength and the power of his might. Put on your belt of truth and your breastplate of righteousness and your helmet of salvation. Watch out for fiery darts. He gave them wisdom and perspective. Okay, and Jesus knew this as well when he encouraged his disciples to remember that, remember this, in this world, you will have many troubles. Translation, Proverbs style. He warned his disciples, in this world, you will have many riddles, many elusive, frustrating, and difficult moments in your life. Okay, and being the great professor and dean that Solomon was, he said, I'm going to teach you, 3,000 young school-age boys here, and he said, I'm going to teach you today, disciples of Christ, and he said, I'm going to teach you Parents, mature disciples who are not paying attention and need to wake up, oh sleeper. I'm going to teach you how to deal with the frustrating complexities of life. Oh man. And and folks, Solomon is declaring that he's going to fight fire with fire. And so he addresses the rills of life in this book of, of wisdom with God-inspired riddle-like statements of his own as the perfect remedy and the perfect prescription to our problems. And if you're thinking right now, I don't think that he should have done it that way. What would be the purpose of him giving us more riddles to solve the riddles of life? Hey, when we start tracking and deepening out in Proverbs, my hope is that you're going to walk away and say, never mind, Pastor Brandon. God is for God. God is wise, and God knows what he's doing. And God most definitely gave me the answers through riddles to solve some of the riddles of, of my life. Okay, because just when, uh, imagination, and just when these school-age boys thousands of years ago were sitting in front of Solomon, uh, numbering 3,000, started squirming on the floor, getting uncomfortable. And, and right when your own heart right now starts to beat really fast because everything that we're talking about today seems overwhelming and, and honestly not accessible and you're freaking out. And right when you start to feel that Proverbs is just the next thing that you're going to have to obtain and work hard for, effort, 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 in your in and of your own strength, Solomon lands it all. He's with you because God's using him. He's like, hey, 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 hold on. I know prudence and all these. What? What? Solomon says, right when you're freaking out, he lands this with verse 7. Oh, 7 is deep and it's legit. In fact, we're going to camp out on verse 7 alone next week because it's going to be our safety net and it's going to be our power source. It's going to be everything for us, folks. It's going to be legit. Okay, so so let's look at this power source, this mighty spirit-filled power source uh, just for a moment so we can present this verse into our hearts. Here it is. It's, it's on your screen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Oh, man, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. I'm not, what's the end? I don't know. What, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, folks, the fear of the Lord is the beginning to everything that we've talked about today. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's because you've got to get the fear, of the, the fear of the Lord thing straight. Okay, so, so the fear of the Lord 
is, is the beginning of everything that we talked about. And just in case you forgot, knowledge and wisdom in and of itself are just the raw materials that you and me need to gain godly wisdom. And that's only wisdom, folks. That's the only wisdom that matters. Let me say to you again, the knowledge and wisdom that we need and the raw materials that come from this book, the only type of thing that's going to matter in the end is if it's godly wisdom for us. And that's going to be important because wisdom that ends without kingdom endeavors is not wisdom, folks. It's foolishness. Wisdom that does not end with kingdom endeavors is not wisdom. It's, it's foolishness. And, and Psalm is saying that nothing at all can transpire and nothing can pass. Nothing wise, nothing truly lasting, nothing valuable from these raw materials it, from an eternal perspective is going to count until you enter into this door of the fear of the Lord. That's going to be our opening and that's going to be our, our point. And it sounds like we have a lot to discuss next week. So let's, let's do that. And I can't wait to do that with you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God in heaven, as we leave today's message, I pray the supernatural cosmic power of your might to provide us with the wisdom that actually saves and the wisdom that actually heals and the wisdom that compels us towards you, not your stuff, you. Oh man, I pray that, that it's already being liquidated into our heart as a new and renewed desire for a different kind of wisdom. Holy Spirit, may you confirm that reality to each of our individual hearts as you see fit today. And, and now, Jesus, we ask that you would continue to intercede for us as we stumble and fall and, and stumble and fall short of our part in this equation. This, this equation of taking the, the raw materials and, and taking the knowledge of, of wisdom and the knowledge of God and, and, and transferring it to biblical wisdom and love for God that acts and sprints and submits and commits to kingdom endeavors. And, and, and the fear of the Lord. Oh, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. May you start readying our hearts in advance for such a mysterious concept to so many people to become simple and productive next week for us, God. Use me this week to take the complexities, namely of the fear of the Lord concept, but, but may you use me to make it simple and safe and filled up with your love. May you work through me to work through that complexity in a way that glorifies you and frees me up and frees your people up to live well and love well and prepare well for eternity. It's because of your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Grace and peace, Redemption City Church. We're going to get into this.